Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello out there, all of our nieces, nephews, and non-binary familials. I'm your Auntie Ruth. And I'm your Auntie Gina. And, and we're your, your Weird Ants. The show. I thought we did great. The show where we take a look. At current. Oh, I know what it is. I'm just waiting for you to stop stomping on the lines. what I do? Keep mumbling over my lines. I'm not mumbling. I heard you mumbling clearly. <laughs> I just, I, we were off when we said the introduction. No, that off. was the first time in history we were ever together, and I think that's what threw you I off. I don't know. I think, I think you need to zip it and let me say this. Well, that was okay. the first time we've ever been together, and I'm... It's shocking to me that that's I what mean, threw you off. Let the audience hear. Let them find out the truth. The truth that you have never once been in unison with me, and the one time that you were <laughs> threw you it off. off. Yeah, it sounded off. Oh. Okay. So this show where we take a look at current <laughs> pop culture. Not this week. And talk about <laughs> how it connects to past trends and fads. Fads. Bowie. Babies. Goblins. Goblins. Teenage girls with sass. Little baby worms. <laughs> We're going everywhere. Yes. This week. We watched Labyrinth. <laughs> you would hope. If that's what we were covering, you would hope it was Labyrinth and not Citizen Kane. (laughs) (laughs) Gabbly. Bowie. Worms. (laughs) (laughs) And Orson Welles. It's Citizen Kane week here on your weird. All right. So what's the description? What's the official description, Auntie The official description says 16-year-old Sarah is given 13 hours to solve a labyrinth and rescue her baby brother when her wish for him to be taken away is granted by the Goblin King, Angerith. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, okay. Yeah. 
That's it? That's the, that's the whole thing? Oh, that was it. Oh, okay. So, wait, who was her wish granted by? Jaro. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. The Goblin King. Jaro. Okay. I was amused for Jaro. <laughs> okay. So, Labyrinth. Wow. Labyrinth. Um, we have our finger on the pulse. Nobody can stop talking about Labyrinth. It's the Academy Awards season. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So we're like, wait a second. Did somebody say Labyrinth? Um, David Bowie's a shoo-in this year. uh, Every year. Yeah. So, 1986, Mm -hmm. Labyrinth. Mm -hmm. Um... Not initially a success, not going to lie, yeah, when it was released. Weird. Yeah, yeah. Uh, underperformed. Um, but that's okay, guys, because it ended up not only coming back with a vengeance, but it t- honestly sort of revitalized Bowie's career in a way that he could not anticipate because it brought mm. in a totally new generation of fans Mm -hmm. it affected a whole generation of kids in a weird psychosexual way (laughs) yeah i remember that like cod pieces were a big thing in the 80s yeah i mean i I feel like none so impressive no i mean i feel like adam ant used one i feel david lee roth for sure Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm um, it was a renaissance of cod pieces in the 80s. Yeah. No one was prepared for this one that Bowie had. Well, but like, honestly, it, it I think he... really contain. Look, it's not as if he didn't need it. And, <laughs> I mean, I don't think it was exaggerated for effect. No, no. Um, I mean, I've done a lot of research on this. I mean... <laughs> Just and my- not for the podcast. <laughs> Look, I just I had to know. But here's the other thing, you know those goblins. First of all, they're not very tall, and they jump around quite a bit mm-hmm. due to the jump magic. So he needed protection. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this was not merely decorative. <laughs> I mean, sure, like, I know they were using them a lot in the 80s, but also it performed a practical function. So I feel like if he's going to get criticism for that, I mean, it it was also, he, he had to protect himself. It from, truly was protection. Right. Those, those goblins had a lot of jump magic. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, it's, you know? Um, so, but let's, let's start from, okay, we're going to start from the very beginning. Before the movie, let's start about its inception. Let's start from the inception of the film. Okay. Right? That's got to be a good place to start, right? Yeah. So we have, it was originally Jim Henson, it was based on a Maurice Sendak story, mm-hmm. um, but just sort of loosely based, and then... He had seen a contact juggler, the juggler who, if you watch the film, he does this sort of juggling with these, like, glass 
balls. There's no other way to say it. These spheres, glass balls. And, but it is. It's really. I mean, it's. It takes a lot of skill. It's really good. You got it. a real pair of glass balls on you, buddy. Right. Um. And so it's like, okay, well, let's work this into it. And um. Yeah. So he paired with Bowie, who had already had like a, a history of sort of mime and like body work, conceptual mm-hmm. art. Yep. So it it it, it worked out really well. But he trained with the same um, uh, w- performer. What would you call that? Is uh, Kate Bush? Oh, is that right? Yeah. Um, you know when he was working with Klaus Nomi and that sort of like alternative ballet, and I can't mm-hmm. remember his performance artist. Yeah. Anyway, but all this to say, yeah, yeah, Bowie had spent several years certainly in his early career doing performance art Mm -hmm. obviously you know he was used to stage work so um so being able to collaborate with like a contact juggler and it it was used to really great effect i mean i don't think just any performer could have stepped in in the same way no I honestly, I was watching it again and like, I still am like, how did that guy use his arm? Cause I've seen the video, but like, you can't really tell it's somebody else's hand doing it the way he, that they filmed it. He had to learn that skill, relearn it without the use of his sight. Yeah. So he could be, you know, so there essentially the story is kind of like a similar in the way of like a, a Wizard of Oz or Alice in Wonderland where it's like a young woman that's navigating like a very treacherous like for I feel like almost every young woman's story of that coming of age where you're not really sure who to trust people aren't really forthright to you also about what's dangerous and why it's dangerous right do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it's all... And so, when you're trying to figure that out, it feels... You know, you just meet sort of... You meet people with duplicitous intentions. You meet people who are charming. You do, you're not really sure... You're never really sure who to trust. It's a right. it's a, it's yeah, a different yeah. sort of coming-of-age story than, you know, the, like, men experience. So, um... So it has that same sort of feel that that right. those two stories have, and they also have that element in common where you see her life before, and elements of her sort of suburban life are then woven into this fantastical dream world that she then enters into. Right. Yeah, like Alice in Wonderlandish. Right. So, um, so we meet Sarah and she is this young girl. She's meant to be 16, I think, in the film, right? She's on the edge of 17. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) And she is reading from this book called Labyrinth Mm -hmm. and she's practicing a scene where she is face-to-face with the Goblin King. 
and, um, you know, t- rescuing her brother from the clutches. Now, this is uh, from the book. Um, is it the same book? Well, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So it would be like Dorothy Gale reading The Wizard of Oz. Yeah. Right. <laughs> But to put a pin in that, because we're going to revisit it. Okay. Um, so, anyway, she goes home, and, like, what we learn about her is that, you know, her mom has left the home. Her dad is remarried. Her mom has, like, had an affair. Her mom was an actress, had an affair, left the family, her dad remarried and had another child, and she's sort of, like, stuck babysitting the child, and she kind of resents it, and she's not really, like, processing these feelings, but there is this, she feels, like, this sense of, like, oh, this isn't fair, but she's not really, like, processing, like, the hurt and disappointment. Like Yeah, she's, like, she's, like, drama student being it. Right, which, I mean... Uh, weren't we all at that? I mean, I certainly mm-hmm. was extra at that age. I mean, Absolutely. I grew out of it. I'm super practical now. Right. Yeah. You got it together. Yeah. I would never When be something ex- frustrating happens, you're like, hmm, yeah. I can only control myself. <laughs> That's it. No, I don't even give it a second thought. I let it go. No. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would never do anything embarrassing. No. I wouldn't let it get to me. Mm-hmm. Um, certain, I, yeah, exactly. Uh, I wouldn't act out or be dramatic. Like when you go to the Dollar Tree and something's marked as a dollar twenty nine because you didn't know the price went up, you don't start crying. No. Uh uh-uh. uh. I don't go outside after buying that item and then immediately destroy it. Right. <laughs> Out of the principle, no. I would not do that. Right. And then after that triumph, immediately eat something and cry. No, that's no. I am not that person. <laughs> You've grown out of it. Right. So anyway, but Sarah is that kind of stupid idiot. <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> so she comes up. It starts raining. She's like, oh, no. I have to babysit my stupid little brother. Oh, right! Throws himself all over the place. Oh my god, I'm so young and beautiful. Oh, you know, sorry, sorry. She acts like a twelve year old to me. Right, has her little outbursts. I'm like, I don't remember acting like that. I'm pretty sure I did. I'm pretty (laughs) sure I still do. You throw yourself on the bed and put lipstick on and find your a baby hat and put it on. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, look, I don't... <sighs> maturity is not one of my strengths. I'll put it that way. Um, so, anyway, she's been reading this book called Labyrinth. And her father and stepmother are going out. It's like Friday night. Yeah. You know, they're having, like, a date night. She, this It's so unfair. Did she have any plans? Certainly not! Well, she it's Friday night. Yeah, but she, it's not like we don't hear her friends blowing up her phone. 
It's not like she was going to do anything. So and it's that's not- <laughs> what the stepmom even says. She's like, if you had a date, I'd be so happy. I wish you would have a date. Right. We'd work around it. I promise. Yeah. Like, it's not, again, it's not as if you're doing anything. I would feel a lot worse. <laughs> and, which honestly makes it worse. <laughs> That's not the point. But... Like, we would support you if you suddenly became cool, but that's not what's happening here. <laughs> she didn't say that, but... Um, that was the vibe. It was a vibe. Um, so, she, of course, it starts raining. She she can't stand the rain. Against her... her- <laughs> Boom, I can't stand the rain. Um, I feel the wind. <laughs> Five, six, seven, eight, eight nine, ten. Nine, <laughs> <laughs> okay. I sit on hills like Loren. Okay. <laughs> so she's like Goblin King. Dude. Bro, come and take my brother. I know you like babies. Yeah. Well, here's your chance. It's just being super dramatic. She's like, you know having her moment and wouldn't you know it it just so happens David Bowie has all the time in the world (laughs) he's got 13 hours honey and he just happened to be in his best feathery cape Mm -hmm. I mean that moment when I when when we're talking about drama (laughs) yes when that window blows open and his, like, feathered hair. The wind blowing through it. I mean, and it's like he's got his, like, snow owl cape on. Mm-hmm. Like, as a child, I was gagged. Gagged. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I-, I can't, the reveal. <sighs> it was too much. You get it all. You get a good introduction to what. Your next. It was a lot. It was perfection. Right. I mean, so, okay. So, obviously, in the intervening years since I've seen this movie, because both of us have seen this movie about, I would, I mean, conservatively, a hundred thousand times. Yeah. Um, and so we're, we're coming from this, felt like if you've never seen it, I mean, go ahead and see it, obviously. It's worth seeing. Just see it through the lens of, obviously, it's very much made for children, tweens, maybe, at most. Anyway, so David Bowie comes in, right? And he's in his snow owl costume. Yeah. And so this is, like, this is the, essentially, the tornado in falling down the rabbit hole transition, right? So we know something's yep. up. Mm-hmm. And this is when we know that she has 13 hours to make it to the center of this labyrinth, which is like an elaborate maze, in order to save her little brother, because Who otherwise... she just said she didn't want and to, for the Goblin King to come get she had a, a very quick change of heart. I think maybe she did not believe it was possible for a goblin king to come and kill. I'm thinking maybe she didn't think, oh, wait, there's really a goblin king that comes and seals babies. But she found out. Yeah, it was real. It was she real, in real. Fa- She fucked around and she found out. 
<laughs> so then she was like, okay, so what do I have to do? And he was like, oh, I'm so glad you asked. Because what you have to do is go through this elaborate, tricky labyrinth that has no rules, make it here in 13 hours, and save him. You know, I mean, nobody ever does it, but, like, good luck. And so that's the setup. Right. And because, you know, this is a Jim Henson, you know, you're going to meet some Muppet. You're going to meet some... You're going to meet some what are going to turn out to be lifelong friends. Some characters. You're going to meet some characters, and they're going to be monstrous puppets. Mm -hmm. And they're going to interact with people as if they were not puppets. Right, which is the best. Right. And they're it's cool. I think it's I cool. It. I do, it too. really cool. I think it's cool. And the thing of it is, is that at the time, I don't think people were expecting, like... What are some pretty goth Muppets? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a lot darker than previous outings of Muppets. A little, little um, scarier. Yeah, it's like uh, dark crystal-y. But that was also the time that, like, they were, I think, the Black Cauldron. Yeah. That was really dark, too. I don't know what... It, there was just something in the air. It's what um, made us who we are. Yeah, I'm happy for it. But, mm. um... It was just, like... I would say borderline inappropriate. But... Anyway, that late 70s, early 80s was, like, a lot of futurist, futuristic sci-fi that was, like, very yeah, dark. like, legend. Had actual, yeah. like, Satan in it. Yeah, which was amazing. Yeah, a lot of that, like, fantasy was mm -hmm. really pop. Willow. Oh, Willow. Yeah. So Whoa. it was all, like, it was, um, and horror was having a renaissance in the 80s. And, like, Peter Jackson was doing crazy stuff in horror in the 80s. So, I mean, it was, like, uh, there was a lot of crazy stuff. I think it was, like, this counterbalance to this sort of, like, Reagan error, cocaine, like yacht rock, <laughs> yeah, totally. like cotton candy, George Michael, wham, you know, it was like on the other end of the spectrum was this like, you know, counterbalance of, you know. It can't be happy all the time. Right. This is the labyrinth we've entered into. <laughs> A.K.A. our childhoods. <laughs> With big paintings as backdrops. And the, I guess the crux of the, you know, the, the lessons that she's learning is, number one in the labyrinth is, she says quite a few times, like, oh, this is not fair. And, uh. Bowie you know, tells her that. He's sure to let her know. What does he say? He says, you say that so many times, I'm beginning to think you don't know what it means. Yeah. But yeah, she he says, like, you keep saying that. And it's like, like, I mean, and I just love that because, of course, life's not fair. Life's not fucking fair. You know, it's like, who are you going to complain to? There is no manager. No. 
I mean, you can't, like, who are you going to take it? You can't get a return. You, you know? can try. You got 13 hours. Uh, I mean, but. <laughs> I to mean, come but, pick up your kid. But you know what I mean? Just in general with life. Yeah, in life. I think I think it was a good learning tool for kids, you know. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's like You can't always get what you want. But I think I you know, I remember that being so frustrating as a kid as well is that you you know, you would say that as like especially if you have a sibling, I just remember complaining about that <laughs> all the time. And it's like, yeah, I mean, if you're if you're waiting for that time where things become fair, that's not happening. No. You know, not that you should ever stop trying to make the world a more equitable place. Dream big. But but that, you know, another one of the big lessons is don't take anything for granted. Yeah. And, you know, she th- comes to think that, like, oh, like... There's this wall is a door, and she was like, "Oh, okay, so you know." And also, had she not taken her life for granted, she wouldn't have wished her brother to be stolen by the Goblin King in the first place, and realized True. that she lived in like a one point two million dollar house in a suburb, mm-hmm. and it was she had a pretty good life. When you see like an all beige house, you know it's money. Yeah, I mean that ha- like that house is easily like one point two million dollars. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Now, I mean, even then it was like very expensive. But uh, all this to say, yeah, don't take anything, anyone, any conversation for granted. So she's like learning Im- very important lessons, yes. much like Wizard of Oz, and you know she forges friendships along the way mm-hmm. first she meets Hoggle, Hoggle while trying to murder pixies right she's not Hoggle is and so you know she meets these you know she forms these attachments and relationships that help her you know navigate the labyrinth yeah um Again, much like Wizard of Oz. But what I think you would find interesting is yes. that um, one of the theories that has gone around... Oh, oh, okay. There's two interesting things. When you had mentioned the book earlier, mm-hmm. is that... So when um, they talked about the costume designer had sort of based his look on sort of 16th century, so for like 1500s court attire, which would make it right. sort of like Shakespearean. So the book would have been written sort of as a guide. It, it's a real story. So this has already happened to somebody else. So right. she is not the first girl to have made this wish or have made this journey. And he has been right. sitting there for 500 years. <clears throat> right? Yeah. Waiting for his Sarah. Or waiting for hundreds and hundreds of Sarahs. Oh. So, I mean, this book is 
been around enough that other Sarahs have made the same wish, and he's just stayed there in his castle, all of those goblins at one point having been somebody else's brother. So Jareth's been set up here, right. and over the years, several girls have unsuccessfully tried to navigate this course, and that's why there are so many goblins, because at one point they were, in fact, babies. Babies. So the second theory, and this is just a fan theory, is that Jareth is, in fact, a relative of Glinda the Good Witch. I love this theory. Right. Because she travels by bubble. Mm-hmm. And he also uses bubbles to travel. And that, for some reason, he did something to get him exiled from Oz. Mm-hmm. And that is why he's trapped in this loop. Which would make sense, because it doesn't look like he gets a lot of joy from his assignment. Right. <laughs> and, you know, at some point he did... I mean, he does have a collection of goblins, but at the same time, you know, he does kind of help Sarah out. I mean, not him directly, but the labyrinth helps yeah. Sarah out. Right. And so, you know, it's not... I mean, he does, you know, make it difficult for her, of course. Uh-huh. But... He could be a lot more cruel as a villain than he is. He almost wants her to have fun with it. Right. Yeah. I mean, as a villain, you know, as villains go, he's not the worst. <laughs> when a villain starts to, like, when he starts to give you, like, I mean, he tries to take you away from the pain. He gives you an apple. It was a peach, and then that's okay. He, I mean, yeah, it's like he, um, I feel like he almost sends Hoggle to help her in a way, and then for whatever reason would tell him not to help her. I mean, it's like it's, um, you know, there are just like times where, you know, Certainly the labyrinth works against her, like the tiles turn and, you know, but there are times where she needs help and like a a stone will roll her way and just little things conspire to help her out or people will show up that help her out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, you know, it, 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 it's all even like, even the challenges conspire in a way that is helpful to her ultimately the one i love is the hands right and they're called the helping hands the helping hands but that was really cool like when i used to watch um the muppet show yeah they, they would have on like um you know like actual performance artists sometimes on the show and um it kind of reminded me of that where there was like a bunch of people working together to make these faces out of the hands it was really cool artistically i think yeah this i think specifically 
in this movie, because I think a lot of people forget that, you know, Jim Henson, the fact that he was able to have a successful career as a puppeter is like such a one in a million shot. And he really took that opportunity to allow other people in these really niche forms of art, like performance art and dance and, you know, like juggling and body work and all these kinds of things. He really gave them a chance to shine and collaborate and work together and really showcase their talents and when you well and also like they would use um different things to move the puppets like they would find different ways like when you had the um the fire the fire puppets they would like they were wearing the costume like clothes you know they were wearing the puppet and then wearing like a black suit behind it and then dancing maybe green screen i don't know and then dancing to it so that was like a whole other way you know they were using their body i mean there was like um there was just a lot of innovation and you could tell that they were Mm -hmm. taking chance that's the thing is that a lot of this film was taking chances knowing that it could fail you know but i think like i think henson did that a lot you know he was he was willing to experiment enough and, you know, like you're so saying, showcasing different artists, you know, he cared enough to do that because he cared more about the art than yeah. anything else. Mm-hmm. And even when he was doing, like, kids shows and whatnot, he still, there was still that effort put into it, like Fraggle Rock, you know, I mean, obviously Sesame Street, but Fraggle Rock was a big one, too, where they brought in the people and the different, I don't know, like, the characters were cute. So he could do, like, all kinds of different entertainment with it. Um, But, yeah. No, I think that's a good point, is that he was willing to take the chance, even if it meant a loss, but to to showcase other people's talents and do things Mm -hmm. that were a little bit experimental and, you know, let people just really collaborate and have a good time. And you you, you could really tell... Yeah. I mean, there was just a, a lot of things that you have just never seen. And these are real effects. Yeah. You know, like what you're seeing are real effects. They're real performance. They're, it's, I mean, as a child, they're impressive. They're impressive now. They are. Like watching them now, I w- it would like, it impressed me on a totally different level. Yeah. And I almost appreciate the fact that I was like, God, what was he thinking? Like, this is so risky, mm-hmm. you know? Like, it was so risky to do this. This doesn't feel like a child's movie. It's so dark. And, um, but you can tell that, you know, people to this day are willing to, you know, they really love this film. They're devoted well, to think- it. Kids are, like, way more sophisticated than we give them credit for, too. You know, you don't have to make everything bright and shiny. Because kids don't always feel bright and shiny. Yeah, and I like there's a famous quote, like, a famous Walt Disney quote, where he's like, beyond anything else, kids like to be scared. And he would always try to envision the villain before anything else, like, build around a strong villain. Mm -hmm. And... 
I think, you know, there is something to be said about that. So now we have talked privately about how if this had been either you or me, this movie would be five minutes long. <laughs> because as soon as David Bowie showed up into film, yeah, like, like take me away. Yeah, I like what are what is the cost? Don't take my brother. Take me. Yeah, like I I never want to go home. I never understood in any of these movies mm-hmm. why anybody ever wanted to leave Oz or Wonderland or the Labyrinth and right. go back to the monotony, Kansas. Yeah. During the Dust Bowl? Yeah, no thanks. Um, certainly leave David Bowie. Why? No, it, like, I, into film, dude. Yeah, I don't... I mean, take me, take me to your castle. We're like, not 16. No, I'm not. I'm no. much older than that. I'm a full-grown woman. Yeah. I mean, do you do you have my arthritis medication there? <laughs> I think you have to bring it with you, but you can get free refills. Is there a Walgreens near the castle, Jareth? He can get your hands on some meds, that's for sure. I mean, I'll tell you I'll tell you the name. <laughs> I'll tell you the name of my dance magic, and um, <laughs> it is called anti-inflammatories. Anyway, <laughs> my jump medicine is called non-steroidal anti-inflammatories. Um, but I'm also probably going to need some fiber supplements. But oh, fiber for sure. Don't, other than that, Jareth, why are you leaving? Jareth! Wait! No! <laughs> Put that magic spell on me, Jareth! <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Yeah, life's not fair. Uh, I, mean, I would like to be I would like to be in the crystal ball fantasy, please. I know. I thought, I've already learned life's not fair. Like, oh my god, where are you going? <sighs> I th- I think one of my favorite parts of the movie, um, she meets Ludo, this character Ludo, and he's like hanging by a tree and he's this gentle giant and these little little guys are like attacking him and then Sarah comes and saves him. And he's just the sweetest, sweetest little, squ- sweetest big, he's like a big dog. He's so sweet. And then, um... And then, well, and then there's a couple other characters that come along, but, like, (laughs) one scene I quote a lot is when they make it to the Bog of Stench. Yeah. Bog of Eternal Stench. And um, they have to find a way through it. But Ludo, he he gets there and he's like, smell bad! Um, I often quote that just in my daily life. Yeah. Um, In my daily life. (laughs) Talking about Metamucil, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> the, my most used labyrinth quote is probably, um, so, 
one of Sarah's friends that she meets is Hoggle. That's like her primary friend, kind of like the Scarecrow and Dorothy. Totally. And Jareth is like, um, okay, well, you know, you're supposed to be leading her astray, and yet you look really chummy with her. And what's going on? And he's like, nothing. And Jareth goes, nothing? Nothing? Tra-la-la? Tra-la-la? And in college, um, I would say when I would catch somebody eating my leftovers, I'm like, hey, what are you eating? Nothing. Really? Because it, it looks like you're eating the rest of my burrito. <laughs> I was like, no, no, I'm not eating anything. So nothing. 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 <laughs> Is that what I'll find in the trash? Nothing. <laughs> A wrapper to nothing. Hot sauce, tra la la. <sighs> but, no, it's a great film. It is. It's classic. It is. It's good. And it's worked, worked our way into, worked its way into our consciousness. Yes. But so for every film, mm-hmm. we do a Spotify playlist. Yes. Where we pick um, our our themes, like what songs we would put in the film or we feel like gives us the flavor of the film, what comes to mind, sparks thoughts. Because this movie already has an amazing soundtrack. Like, it's hello. Given. It's all given. Bowie. Yeah. All Bowie. All the time. Right. Um, but... You know, I picked some other songs, well, we both did, mm-hmm. that, um, you know, made us think about Labyrinth. Mm-hmm. So, my picks, uh, my, fir- my first one I picked was um, Destination Unknown by Missing Persons. Amazing. Thank you. Um, Love that and song. then I couldn't pick between Sarah by Starship or Sarah by Fleetwood Mac because I mean obviously Fleetwood Mac is like superior, but I also really love Starship. Right, and I was like, no problem, Fleetwood Mac, done and done. Sarah. Okay, it is good. <laughs> I know. No time. Okay, it's solid. It's solid. It's solid. I don't. Look, look. That's a good one. (laughs) That's good too. (laughs) Solid. Solid as a rock. rock. But yeah, okay. No, Starship. Look, that is that is a good song. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna pretend. Wasn't it in the movie Mannequin? Nothing's gonna stop us now. Um, so the next song I picked was um, Everything Counts by Depeche Mode. Because um, there's that part in it where. Oh, they the, say grabbing the grabbing hands. Yes. Grubble, they come. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> Thanks. You got, what you're you got? nailing it. I know, I told you I didn't want to make you. You know, I wanted you to have songs to enjoy. I wanted you to not have to skip a song. You didn't want to... 
You didn't want to ruin my algorithm. I didn't want to ruin your algorithm. Oh, I know. And I throw a fit every week. Starship right. might kind of, you know. No, it's a it's a solid song. Okay. It's a solid song. It's a great song. So those are my picks. Okay. So I chose um and go with me on this seat. Now maybe it's my turn maybe to cause a turn? ruckus. What is okay. And make people mad. Okay. I'm intrigued. Because um I'm doing Dead Things Don't Talk. Okay. Yeah. By, by Eno. Yeah. Because <laughs> I think it's weird. It's and very I like weird. the yeah. But I do appreciate the Oh cheeky cheeky. Oh naughty sneaky. I feel like it's very very Bowie. Yeah, and it's very like in the labyrinth where it's like, oh, you perfect masters. You thrive on this instrument. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's a good choice. It's like, how can those full of teeth take so much kicking? Um, so, yeah. <laughs> I just felt like a foot. And I also did Hidden Place by Bjork. Oh. Because I also felt like. Hidden place, labyrinth. Exactly. You see where I'm going? I do. You're picking up when I'm laying down? Yeah. Uh, Or laying down, rather. Anyway, and then the last one, I'm just straight up doing Life on Mars. Nice. I'm doing it. You gotta add more Bowie to the Bowie. Yeah. Sorry. If, If not now, when? But um, anyway, guys, as always, what an absolute thrill to get to talk to you, to get to see you, Auntie Ruth. Yes. Um, and so with that, I want to thank everybody for listening to the show. Don't forget to subscribe to your weird aunt. That's your part. <sighs> you know, if you want, you can send in your recommendations of music. Movies and shows that you want us to check out. We'd love to hear from you. Okay. You can find us at Your Weird Aunties on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Your Weird Aunts on Facebook and Instagram. Beautiful. And uh, at yourweirdaunts.com.gmail.com. Um, we'll come back with the, another amazing <laughs> movie. We always do. Um that is unrelated to anything and um mm-hmm. happy to do it yeah alright well buddy. I'm your auntie uh, goodbye I'm your auntie Ruth oh sorry and I'm your auntie Gina <laughs> weird weird you're weird What's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Meta Human Affairs. This one is a story.
about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one. All you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the Department of Meta Human Affairs or DMA and check it out right now. 